my older sister, she's eight years older than me, she woke up one night screaming that her friend's house that just lived down the street was on fire. I get this feeling just like I went into a vacuum. And that was the first indication that, that there was more going on here than, than I knew. This is Bob Gimling, and you're listening to the Paranormal Portal. and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Welcome to the show. Hope you all are doing great out there, and thank you to everybody uh, for continuing to come in and check these shows out and for continuing to spread the word about the Paranormal Portal. Uh, remember, if you've had any experiences and you'd like to be a guest on the show, please just uh, give me an email. Send me an email at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. We got a, a wonderful show lined up for you guys. It's really a good one. Uh, this is uh, uh, someone who's been uh, with the show on YouTube for quite a while, and I've come to know him. And he's here on the podcast with us to share his many different, varied paranormal experiences. Uh, so I hope you guys are ready because we're going in. Welcome to the show, Ruger Ridge. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ruger has his own channel on YouTube. If you want to check that out, just look for Ruger Ridge, all one word, on YouTube. And you can find his his channel along with uh, all of his research and such that he's been doing into the Bigfoot field. But uh, so, brother, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you making this work. It's really awesome. Sure. Not a problem. I'm, I'm uh, honored to be on, man. Well, I'm honored to have you. Um, I guess probably the most, uh, the most easy place to start is how did this start for you? I mean, did you, had you always had an interest in this kind of stuff or did it kind of just land in your lap? How did this work? It kind of landed in my lap, uh, got introduced to this at an early age. Uh -huh. Um, the first thing that I remember that was paranormal or something odd was my older sister. She's eight years older than me. I was probably, I don't know, six, five or six or something like that. She woke up one night screaming that her friend's house that just lived down the street was on fire. So the whole family just got up and, you know, got looking around and, and running out on the sidewalk and it wasn't. And so the next night it was the same thing. Mm-hmm. And on the third night, she wakes up, and by now, the family's pretty tired of it. You know, we walked out, and sure enough, it was going up. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah. Wow. And that was the first indication that, that there was more going on here than, than I knew. Yeah, and uh, there was, a, there was uh, five of us kids, and uh, my sister and I is the only two who are really uh, tuned into this. Okay. If if my brother is, he won't admit it. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, can't blame him. Yeah, yeah. My biggest deal, though, personally, was uh, when I was in first grade, we moved into a house. I grew up in Peoria, Illinois. And when I was in first grade, we moved into a big two-story Victorian. And uh, it was the first time that all of those kids had our own room. Oh, nice. And I had a room off of the living room and this room was really to what seemed to me really long and really narrow. Um, 
and it had a closet that connected my bedroom with my parents' bedroom. And there wasn't any doors on it. They just had a, like a partition deal on my parents' side. Uh-huh. But this closet had storage on each side. So when you walked in, you could hang clothes on the left or on the right, and then you'd walk right on into my parents' room. And my bed was at the opposite end of my bedroom, crossways. And one night I'm laying there, I'm in first grade, so we're talking six, maybe seven. Yeah. I'm laying there, and I get this feeling just like I went into a vacuum. Everything just stopped, and I turned and I looked at that closet, and this shadow figure comes out of the side of this closet, just one quick bang, and it starts running. Oh, no. Now, Brent, this this thing was really hauling the mail, but not going anywhere. It was, he, it was full motion, really running, and not getting to me. And, wow. of course, you know, I freaked. But it had, it was just on a big black shadow figure, but it had something shiny in its right hand, and I always perceived that as a knife. And as it's running full tilt, just barely getting to me, I jumped out of bed and put a football fake out on it and around it and right into bed with the folks, you know, just hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, that would be horrible. And, oh, it, it, it gets worse. So this happened two or three nights and they just, my parents just thought, you know, well, new house, sleeping by himself the first time. And this progressed to the point to where this guy was stalking me. Oh, no. Now, when we was in the house, when when I was in the bedroom, it was the same thing over and over. Like, it might be a residual type thing. Uh-huh. But we was sitting in the living room, the whole family, watching TV one night. And this guy, and this guy here is fully clothed, Victorian clothes like a three-piece suit, derby hat on top. This guy walks out of my folks' bedroom into the living room, right in front of the couch and into the kitchen, and I'm the only one that sees it. Oh, no. And, I'm, and of course, I just lost it, you know, and I'm screaming, there he is, there he is, there he is, and they're looking at me like I've lost my mind. Oh, man. Well, this happened several times. And my mom told me years later that they was they were contemplating getting some professional help here because <laughs> I was the only one seeing it. Right. Even my sister, who is sensitive to these things, didn't see it. Wow. And it got to the point, we, we lived probably, it was probably two and a half blocks from the elementary school mm-hmm. where, I went to, where I went to first grade at. And uh, it was Greeley Elementary in Peoria, up on the north end of town. Okay. And me and my brother would walk out. My brother had a bunch of friends that he walked with, so that kind of left me lagging behind. But we'd walk out the house, and this guy would be standing across the street, leaned up against a light pole. And as we started down the sidewalk on our side of the street, he would parallel us on the opposite side of the street. And of course I'm screaming at my brother and everybody thinks I've lost it. So I got to where I figured out if I got about halfway up the block, I could take off running and cut the corner and go right through the intersection and get to the school. This guy would walk two blocks, but when he got to the corner where the school was, he always stopped. But, uh, I kept seeing him in the house. He'd follow me to school. My classroom, my classroom there at Greeley, there's an alley that run next to it. Mm -hmm. And my classroom was up against that alley with these, you know, you know, classrooms are the great big windows. Sure. I'm sitting in class one day and this guy just walks down the alley and I'm like, you ain't supposed to be here. You know, that he always stops at the corner. Well, He got over that and he just walked down the alley and I thought, well, maybe, and of course, you know, I'm in class and I'm like, well, maybe he didn't see me. Mm-hmm. And then he, 
Then he comes back. It would have been a little bit of time, but then he comes back. And when he gets right in by the window, he just turns and looks at me and just keeps on going. Oh, man, that's horrible. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have any sense of time as far as how long we lived there. Sure. I know it wasn't very long, but, uh, yeah, we ended up moving because of me. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's, that's really wild. I, I think I, I remember, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I remember one time I, I remember one time I, uh, built a fort in the backyard and there was a carpet place or something that was behind our house. And they leave their pallets outside in the alley. So I gathered me up some pallets and I built me a fort. And uh, it was pretty nice, too. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my fort one day doing my, you know, doing kids stuff. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes down the alley on the backside of our house. And he just starts circling this fort. Oh you know, I mean, just absolutely terrified me the whole time. He was just tormenting you, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. I always, I always tell people I was stalked by a ghost. Right. Yeah. So, so the conclusion to this story, so we move, Mm -hmm. we move out of Peoria and go out in the country. When I was, uh, 18, I started riding motorcycles, street bikes. Buddy of mine had one. I got me one and uh, we had to run over to Peoria to get some, get some bike parts or something. We was looking at something. I said, uh, Hey, while we're over here on this side of the river, let's run down. I'll show you my spook house. So he said, all right. So we run down Adam street and pull up right in front of my spook house there and get off the bikes. And we're standing on the sidewalk there. And I'm pointing showing him in between the houses where my bedroom window was and how the house was laid out inside and everything. And, uh, this guy, not the, not my spook, but this real person walks out between the houses and say, can I help you guys? And I said, oh, we're just checking out the old house. I used to live here when I was a kid. And he said, oh, really? And I said, yeah. yeah. How long was that? And so I told him, you know, how long ago it was and everything. He asked me my name and I told him, he said, that name don't ring a bell. And I said, well, we didn't live here very long. And he said, don't seem like anybody lives here very long. <laughs> wow. And he owned the house or the, that house had been in his family for a while. And now it was his, he said, yeah, nobody. He said, I think the longest anybody stayed here is like six months. Wow. And I'm looking at this buddy of mine, you know, giving him the eye like, yeah, we know why. <laughs> you know? And I said, yeah, we didn't stay here very long. I said, I was showing him that that was my bedroom window there. And he said, that's not a bedroom. I said, yeah. I said, you go in the living room and you turn right. There's that door there and there's that long, narrow room. And he said, well, that's, that's just storage. Nobody uses that for a bedroom. And I said, well, we did because it was my bedroom. And I said, in the closet, connected it to the, to the master bedroom there in the front. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I didn't, I never knew anybody to use that room for a bedroom. And I said, well, we did. He said, yeah, well, you wouldn't even recognize the house now. He said, I went all through it and. He said, fixed it all up and remodeled it. And he said, spent quite a bit of money on it. And he said, nice family moved in. And he said, I thought it was going to be all right. They was here three, four months. And he said, one night, I don't know where the old man got drunk or whatever, but one night, father of this family just tore into that wall with a camping hatchet. (laughs) And I laughed out loud, like, (laughs) no kidding. And, And I said, he tore into the wall with a hatchet and he said, yeah, well, that closet you're talking about, he plowed plumb through that brand new sheetrock paint, did the whole house and he tore the wall down with this hatchet. And he said, so I fixed that, but it's for sale. He said, I'm done with it. He said, I'm tired <laughs> of trying to rent it out. And I, I looked at my buddy and it was like, this couldn't have turned out any better. You know, <laughs> it just came full circle. Wow. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't tell him why nobody stayed there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So you didn't, you didn't put an offer on it. (laughs) No, no, I did not put an offer on it. It's gone now. Oh, Uh, they, they ended up tearing it down. Oh, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where he went to live after they tore the house down, but it's gone. Yeah. That's intense. 
that's hard for a little kid to try to process that, man. I, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. And, and the fact that nobody believed me. Right. You so, know. Yeah. So not only are you uh, processing it, but you're doing it all alone. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, they put me in bed with my older brother, you know, mm. go sleep with him. You know, if you can't stay in your room, go sleep with him. Mm-hmm. Well, his bedroom was upstairs and, uh, I get in bed with my brother, which he's only four years older than me. I'd get in bed with my brother and this guy would pop out of his closet, Oh, geez. you know, and, you, and, but it never came out. It would just pop out in the doorway. And here was this black shadow figure just and it was at the end of his bed you know so we had a straight view at it man we throwed hot wheels hot <laughs> wheel tracks slot cards anything we could get a hold of we we threw in that closet <laughs> never phased him he'd stand there as long as we would you know look at him he would stand there wow so so sleeping with my brother didn't work out either <laughs> now did, did your brother not did your brother see it or not see it no, no, okay. he never. I was the only one that seen it. Wow. But he believed you enough I to was, throw stuff too. Pardon me? But he believed you enough to throw stuff at it too? Oh yeah. When I, when I started throwing, he was going to help me throw, <laughs> you know, he was, he was just throwing at the closet. But. Yeah, sure. Wow. That's a lot for a kid to process, man. That's no fun. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A lot going on there mm-hmm. and being in first grade, you know. Yeah. Brand in just first grade, first real class above kindergarten. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just we just moved. Yeah, it was it was rough. That would be rough. I was lay I was laying there one night and I'm eyeballing and this is in my room and I'm I'm waiting for him, you know, to pop out of the closet. And this guy that is fully dressed walks through the living room and I can see from the door, my bedroom door into the living room and he walks through the living room right into the kitchen. So I jumped out of bed and actually ran out there in the living room just in time to see him turn and go down, go through the basement door. There was a door there off the kitchen, went down to the basement and this basement, which it was creepy. It was like, half real basement and the rest of it was hand dug. Oh, wow. And, and when, when you went down, when you went down the stairs, the only thing down there was the furnace. It wasn't like a full basement underneath this old house. It was just one small room with the furnace in it. But I would say probably waist high. There was a great big area that you could tell had been dug out by hand. And I always had my suspicions that that had something to do with the, with the whole haunting part of it. But, you know, yeah, no sure. way to prove that sure. it just kind of give me, you know, that part of the basement, give me the creeps. Yeah. I can go down there with my dad, you know, <laughs> and when I got to the bottom of the steps, dad was on his own. Cause I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't walking <laughs> by this hand dug place. <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't know what's dug into there, huh? No, no. Yes. Uh-uh. That's a lot, man. So that was a that was a uh, an incredible baptism by fire, if you will. Stay tuned. There's more paranormal when we come back. But there was a hill, a great big hill, and on top of this hill was an old dead tree, just a spooky looking tree. And uh, they, everybody, you know, the bunch of guys I was running with said that's the hanging tree. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal Podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. When we moved from the Victorian Emporia, we moved down in the country to a trailer court. And this was not a mobile home estate place. This was just an old trailer court. Oh, but it was out in the country. It was out in the country, and we loved it. 
so I'm in still in first grade, second grade by the time we moved. And, uh, this place is just packed full of kids, which was cool, you know, all different ages. And they, of course, they had to show me around the trailer court, all the cool things, you know, the Creek and the railroad bridge and everything around the trailer court. And they get, we get toward the back of the trailer court and they had cleared it out a little bit to build on. And then they never had. So it was kind of a, a open field type deal, but there was a hill, a great big hill. And on top of this hill was an old dead tree, just a spooky looking tree. And, uh, they, everybody, you know, the bunch of guys I was running with said, that's the hanging tree. And I said, really, really? And they said, yeah, on a certain, on a certain night, you can come down here at midnight and you'll see a guy hanging from this tree. So that was a big, you know, that was the big legend or whatever in this trailer court, you know, and hard telling how many years other kids have been told this and it just been passed down, you know? So we'd go down there at midnight, you know, back then we stayed out all night, camped in the woods. I was camping in the woods in fourth, fifth grade, you know, Nice. and, uh, but we'd all get, get around all the kids in trailer court to go down there and sit around on our sleeping bags and stare at this tree. And of course we never did see nothing, you know, uh-huh. but fast forward, I'm in high school, junior, I think kid named Rick rode the school bus. And, uh, he had a friend stay over. Well, they get on the bus looking tired and ragged. I mean, they was really looking rough. And I asked him, what's, what's wrong with you guys? And this, and this buddy of his pipes up and said, we couldn't sleep. And I said, well, Ricky shouldn't have kept him up all night. And he said, it wasn't me. He said, it was my guitar playing. And I said, we shouldn't have played guitar all night. And he said, no, I wasn't playing guitar. He was in the case under the bed. And I'm like, what? Oh, and they said that, that they had turned in, you know, and, uh, and he was a great guitar player too, man. That kid, no older than he was, he could flat play guitar. Anyway, they get in bed and, and uh, his guitar starts strumming. And I said, Oh, get out of here. And they said, yeah, all night long, you know, Jeez. well, he starts telling me this story and, and Rick had a sister. Leash and she didn't much care for me, didn't much care for any of the trailer court kids, you know, and, uh, she just told him to shut up, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, not talk about it. So anyway, some time passed. I don't know how long, you know, Rick gets on the bus and he comes to my, comes right straight to my seat and he said, you're not going to believe what happened. Said Rick's dad had been getting on to him about leaving the barn light on after feeding horses and stuff, you know? And Rick denied it. You know, he said he'd, he'd been turning the barn light off. So they had done chores and he's telling me all this. He'd done chores. Dad goes, get a drink of water in the kitchen, looks out the window and the barn lights on, you know, and, uh, he hollers at Rick and tells him, you know, you need to turn the barn light off again. So he runs down there and turns it off the next night or the night after, I don't know. Rick does chores, turns off the light. His dad is between the barn and the house uh-huh. kind of waiting on him, you know, and Rick turns the light off in the barn and he's heading up through the yard and he just about gets to his dad and that light comes back on. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, so his dad said, well, let's go, let's go turn it off. And, he, and then Rick's like, I told you I was turning it off, you know, just coming on. So they walk down there. And he said, as they rounded the corner to go through the door, here was this guy hanging from the rafters. And of course I am totally engrossed now from my experiences at the spook house when I was a kid, you know, I'm, I'm all ears and he is like, just letting it go. He said, they rounded the corner. And here hung this guy from the rafters and he said he was just hanging there and then poof, he's gone, you know? Wow. Rick said he freaked out a little bit and his, and his dad said, do you see that? And then Rick said, well, yeah. I said, and he said, well, don't talk, don't tell your mother and don't ever talk about this. <laughs> you know, wow. well, I asked Rick, I said, who, who do you think it was? You know? And he said he had no idea, but his dad told him, you know, from now on, we'll just leave the light on. If it wants to stay on, we'll just leave it on. 
Right. So a few weeks later, his sister gets on the bus and she comes right to my seat and corners me, you know, and she says, uh, well, you know about all this ghost stuff. So I told her about my, about my spook house is what I always called it, about my spook house in, in, uh, Peoria, you know, and, uh, she said, well, we got some stuff going on that's affecting the family, causing some problems. Said, how do I, how do I get a hold? How do I get to the bottom of all this, you know, and figure out what's going on? And I said, well, that's family farm. And, she, and she said, yeah, and I said, been, you guys, family's been there forever. Ask your grandma. She said, well, she won't talk about it. She said, I did ask my grandma and said, she just clammed up and said it was Rick's imagination and she wasn't talking about it. Oh. And I said, well, I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, they're, you know, court record, or I mean, uh, property records or something, you know, I said, go to the library. So she starts going to the library and researching this, this farm and family and genealogy and stuff. And she found a newspaper story about her great uncle. That would have been her dad's uncle. And he was a well-known musician, played at barn dances, weddings, just about anything, I guess, there. Played guitar, fiddle, mandolin, I don't remember what all. And he, it said, his obituary said that he had died in a farming accident and was buried on the family farm. And she asked her grandma about it, and she refused to talk about him, too. Finally, her dad come out with it. I mean, I guess this was really tearing the family up. And her dad comes out with it and and says, yeah, that uh, he hang, he hung himself in that barn and that they buried him at the, at the back of the property under a tree where he used to sit and play guitar. Oh, my God. Wow. The back, the back of that farm uh-huh. backed up to the trailer court. Oof. And that tree was our hanging tree on top of that hill. Oh, my God. Yeah. Talk about coming full circle. Right. And it, ex- it definitely he, explains the guitar sounds, too. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Wow. Him, play- him, him playing the guitar and explains <laughs> why kids for years have been sitting there staring at that tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. intense. I, I, was more sh- I was more shocked of about where they buried him than the fact that, you know, he was still showing up from time to time. Right. When, when, when I heard where they buried him, I, I about come unglued. I thought, well, that, that's our hanging tree, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is, that's intense to think you were camping right yeah. there. You guys do what you guys were camping right <laughs> camping right there yeah 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 exactly we was waiting on him he was hanging out in the barn <laughs> <laughs> wow that's intense brother that's a cr- incredible series of events and and for and over a period of time we're talking from second grade you know up into high school mm-hmm. you know and for that to come back around to something about the hanging tree actually, you know, holding water as far as the story goes. Right. You know, that, that really stuck with me. Yeah, absolutely. That's intense. Very intense. Wow. I'll tell you what was intense. When me and my wife got, this is another ghost story of mine. Okay. When me and my wife got together, we rented an apartment here in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, big, nice, uh, three-story Victorian big old house, you know, Mm -hmm. and we rented a little one room apartment and we didn't have a whole lot. And, uh, we got talking to the neighbor that lived next door is, um, single gal lived in the other one bedroom apartment and we got visiting with her and everything. And I had my suspicions by the way this house was laid out, that it had been an old funeral home and that didn't bother me a bit, Mm -hmm. you know? And, and my wife, she actually thought that was pretty cool. We get talking to the neighbor and the neighbor said, when I moved in here and she'd been there a year or two before we moved in, she said, when I moved in here, when they put, they had washer and dryer for the tenants in the basement. And she said, when they put the washer and dryer in, they actually took the embalming table and all the equipment out. And I said, you're kidding me. She said, I said, that stuff was still in the basement. She said, well, the table was, 
and I don't know, some other, you know, some stands and stuff, but they took the embalming stuff, what was left out so they could put washer and dryer in down there. Wow. And, uh, we asked the guy who was, he didn't, the guy who rented us the apartment did not own the house. Oh, okay. Uh, he was raised by the lady who owned the house. He called her mom, but she lived out of state somewhere. So he was just basically caretaker. And I asked him about it, and he said, "Yeah, we don't, we don't like that to get out because you know we lose a lot of people that you know we've had a lot of people move in here and then figure out or somebody tell them what it was and you know they up and move and I told them how we didn't didn't matter to us. We don't care, you know. Right. And we didn't have much. We didn't have much money. Didn't have much choice, you know. So sure. we was going to stay." Mm-hmm. So we would be laying in bed and we're on the second floor and the staircase come up to a landing and then it did an abrupt 90 degrees and then come up to our apartment and our neighbor's apartment. That's where, where the staircase stops and we'd be laying in bed and there'd be footsteps all night long coming up that staircase, never going down, never going down, but you could hear them right at the door that went outside and you could hear every step and you could hear when they paused at the landing and they'd come right up to the top of the step and that's where it quit. Nice. And we heard that if not every night, but you know, three, four times a week. And for a long time, we thought it was our neighbor, Christy, you know, and, uh, but it never did come down. It's like, well, I thought she was home already. Well, you know, well, she went on a float trip or vacation or something, and she wasn't even home. And we was hearing these footsteps, and then we started putting two and two together. Um, when we, we had a kitchen chair, our kitchen table and chairs, like I said, one bedroom apartment, kitchen, living room, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Our kitchen chairs at night, we'd push chairs in. And if we push this one chair in, it would rattle, the dishes would rattle, we'd hear footsteps in the living room, and the and how we figured out it was the chair being pushed in, my wife got a cat, stray cat come around, and she loves cats, and so she took up with it, and we'd pull this chair out, and our cat would sleep in that chair. And if the chair was out, nothing rattled. We didn't have any trouble. But if we pushed the chair in, even if our cat slept with it pushed in under the table, man, there'd be stuff in the kitchen rattling all night long. You know, took us a while to figure that out. We we was laying in bed there one night. This is this is the one that really got me because I I mean by now I'm pretty used to you know, stuff happening and getting feelings and stuff. We're laying in bed one night and I, that same feeling like I'm in a vacuum hit me. And I told her, I said, there's somebody in this bedroom. Mm -hmm. And she said, really? And I said, yep, I feel it. And it's just, I don't know how to explain this feeling I get. It's like when you cover up your ears and you get that, 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 you know, that white noise deal. Yes. And it gets real hard for me to breathe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like I'm in a vacuum. And I said, yeah. And I said, and I'm fixing to tell them to get out of here. <laughs> when they re when they redid these apartments, Brent, they laid carpet down. Well, this old house had hardwood floors. So when they laid the carpet down, the kitchen door would drag on the carpet. They trimmed the door, but hadn't done a very good job. And it would drag on the carpet. And we always left our bedroom door open anyway, because it was just us two, you know? Sure. This night comes along. Whoever this is, is in the bedroom. And I said, and I'm telling, fixing to tell it to get out of here. So I did out loud. You need to leave. Nothing doing still there. I got upset. And I started throwing some four letter words and started to get out of bed and that door to the kitchen slammed so hard. It latched even dragging on the carpet. Just wham. Yeah. Shocked us both. (laughs) And then I really got mad because I thought, I don't know if I can get that back open. 
You know, <laughs> and it, it was the chore getting it back open, but it sure slammed, just and latched, just for warp. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really that's a lot of power, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was really shocked. But after that, after you know, after I kind of took back my space, we didn't have any issues there at all. So it's it's intelligent then because it it, it respected what sure. you were saying. It didn't like it much, but it respected it. I started researching and watching some videos, and Monster Quest was big back then, oh, the show Monster Quest. Yeah, I remember it. So I was watching that, and they were showing stuff and saying stuff on TV that I could just walk out my back door and find. I, I kind of look at these things as none of them have seemed real dangerous. They just seem really intense, you know, like that. There's an right. intensity to right. them, but it's not like you had stuff thrown at you or, you know, or people were going, you know, having real issues or there was anger and a lot of darkness. It was just, you're, you're kind of a magnet for these presences. Hmm. Well, the shadow figure in the, in the Peoria house, it was definitely aggressive, Mm -hmm. I bet it never did finish anything. You know, I always managed to get away from it when I was a kid. Right. But yeah, it's just like they're doing their deal. Like they're still just, part of, they're still part of the real estate. They're just, uh, right. <laughs> right. Know. Wow. But no, it, it hasn't been a, I never have had any, any real aggression from any spirits that I can remember. Mm -hmm. My mom used to say, ghost won't hurt you, but they can make you hurt yourself. And I, and I, I know that's true. You know, <laughs> that's incredible. So what's next, brother? The only thing we haven't covered is the this Bigfoot stuff, <laughs> which which is, which is an adventure in itself. I tell you, we bought this house out in the country, and uh, it had been moved from another location, and uh, the guy who moved it bought bought this acreage and he basically just cut a hole in the woods toward the fence, cut a big square, poured a foundation and set this house on it. My tree line to the woods is literally 12 feet from my bedroom window. So when I say we live in the woods, we live in the woods <laughs> and, uh, we moved out here and of course they moved this house in and they'd had dozers and everything else here building foundation and clearing and everything. So we had no yard or nothing. So we had to make yard and, you know, make it look nice and everything. I got exploring the property and, uh, found an old road that is up on my ridge and, uh, got looking around there, this old road went to an old house place. And I got asking folks around here, you know, anything about the road and the ridge and the house. And they said, yeah, there was an old man that lived here on up on the ridge in this house. The story is that his wife passed away and he was living there by himself. And then he started doing, you know, off the wall stuff. He tore out the pond bank. I got a pond and he tore the pond bank out to drain the pond because he was afraid kids were swimming in it. He hired a bunch of high school kids to come out and cut firewood. So they come out here and cut him a bunch of firewood. And when I moved out here, I could still find stacks of it, you know, rotten in the way. They said they cut firewood for like a week, and this old boy just run them off the property, said they was trespassing and tearing up his woods. Oh. You know, so, yeah, he was just he was just really losing it. And, and finally, he burnt his house down on purpose, and they moved him to a nursing home in town. Now, this was quite a few years back. Uh -huh. But I got, I got the information, you know, because I kept finding all this stuff. But this road I found on the ridge... It, it's old enough that they had probably graded it with mules or horses and they had piles of rock where they had took the rock out of the road to make the road. And they just made these big, huge rock piles. Okay. I found horse harnesses and hoops off of wagon wheels and all sorts of stuff up there messing around. 
But these piles of rock was a bunch of really nice, flat, fieldstone rock. So I started gathering them up, and that's what I did my landscaping down here with, you know, uh-huh. and uh, worked out good. But I spent a lot of time on the ridge. Whenever I was picking up them rocks, I kept hearing kids laughing and talking, you know, like kids playing in the woods. Uh-huh. And I thought it was just the neighbor kids. But they, it never got any louder. I never seen anybody, and it sounded like little kids. And the neighbors' kids were, you know, twelve to fourteen, something like that. It didn't sound like, you know, kids that big. But I just kind of blew it off, you know, just missed it. And uh, doing all the camping in Illinois, I was really aware of the legend of Augie Creek, you know, and oh, when sure. you're 10, 11 years old camping in the woods, that's always in the back of your mind. You know, (laughs) I never give that any thought out here whatsoever. One day I'm hunting, I'm scouting for deer seasons coming up and I'm scouting to see if I can find some deer sign and stuff. And I find this log that had been blowed over on this log. We had about a inch of snow on. You could see where somebody's butt had melted the snow on this log where they had been setting and you could see where their feet had stirred up the leaves and the snow. So on this log is this rock and it's probably softball size or bigger. So I reached down, I picked this rock up and under this rock was crushed acorns. Oh, And I'm like, somebody is in from where this, whatever was sitting on this log, you can see the backside of my whole place, outbuildings, house, backyard, everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, somebody is casing my house, you know? Right. And then logic hit me. Who in the world would be sitting on a log in the snow, in the cold, eating acorns? You know, right? I mean, it was just like it was just like I got hit by cold water, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I kind of that kind of really brought me around to start looking for stuff, and everything that is supposed to be Bigfoot related, I started noticing. Oh, uh, yeah, I found a big X uh, right on the corner of my property. And I, I was up there hunting and I just kind of plodding down through the woods and like, that's an X. I can't <laughs> believe I have an X, right. you know, and a big one. When we moved out here, I found trees bowed over with these chunks of firewood that them high school kids had cut holding these bows down. And of course I didn't know any better. I thought I just went down through the woods, straightening these bows up and I was finding these bows everywhere. I got thinking and started, started, got on the internet, of course, you know, Mm -hmm. and I started researching and watching some videos and monster quest was big back then. The show monster quest. I remember it. So I was watching that and they were showing stuff and saying stuff on TV that I could just walk out my back door and find. I've always been, you know, always deer hunted. And, uh, I had built me a little old cabin off down the woods, just basically some logs piled up, but I decided I was going to build a regular cabin, something I get a heat. So I flew in, uh, two, three years ago, building this cabin. The whole time I'm building this cabin, I'm looking, you know, and paying attention what's going on. The old cabin was just basically an old log cabin. It was about like what, you know, some kids had built, but you can get in out of the wind. I'm taking it apart, and as I'm taking it apart, a rock comes through the trees from the ridge and lands probably six feet in front of me. Yeah, and I'm I'm bent over picking up logs and stacking them, and through the trees comes this rock, and it hits the ground, and I'm like, okay, they're throwing rocks. And just about the time I had that thought, a chunk of this half-rotten firewood that had been cut for years comes over the top of the old, what's left of the old cabin and lands pretty close to right where that rock was. So now I've got one on each side and I don't mind telling you, 
I was freaking out a little bit. So I just stood up and looked around and nothing, you know, wasn't nothing there. Wow. I got online and started watching videos and, uh, I was finding bows, tree breaks, X's, about everything, you know, they say is supposed to be there. We had, wow. I took, I took, I thought I got, I got smart, you know, I thought, well, I can outsmart this, you know, nobody else has been able to, but I can outsmart this thing. <laughs> I took a, took a tail, trail camera down there in the bottom, just past the cabin. I'm in Missouri. We got rocks everywhere. And I hid this trail camera in a pile of rocks and I taped up the infrared lenses on it. And I thought, well, I won't get nothing at night, but it's, if they're here, they got to walk through in the daytime. Uh-huh. So I disguised this game camera in this pile of rocks with nothing but the lens, you know, being able to look out of this pile. Uh-huh. I come to the house. So I give it a few days. I go down to get that camera and I just start down the road to the cabin and I jumped like eight deer. And this was November 14th, 2019. Okay. Start down the road and I jumped about eight deer and they bounce off down to, toward the bottom. And like, they're going to circle the cabin and come out in the bottom of the bottom of the gully there. So I just kind of sneak down the road, get next to this big white Oak and I'm waiting for them to come out just to, so I can see, you know, cause tomorrow's opening day and I want to know what's around. So I'm just kind of waiting for them to come out and they never did. And I'm like, well, maybe they went the other way and something made me look Brent last thing on my mind. I'm deer hunting at this point. I am 100% deer hunting. But something made me look up toward the ridge and this Bigfoot just stepped right out and crosses that ridge road I've been talking about. Now, all I could see, all I perceived of what I seen was like from the waist up and we're talking, knowing the property and knowing right where it crossed, it had to at least been seven foot, maybe taller. Oh, man. And probably four, four, maybe four and a half feet across the shoulders. And I seen the back, the back of the head, absolutely no neck whatsoever. The right shoulder and biggest part of the right arm. And from where I was actually lower and it was up on the ridge. So that's all I could see through, you know, cedar bushes and stuff. Sure. But when it stepped out, and I always watch for this in, in videos. You know, here's one right here. You watch the head. If that head bobs up and down, I have my doubts whether or not it's real. Right. Because when this thing stepped out, it was like it was on a skateboard, man. It just smooth as glass right across there and just disappeared. You know, wow. I turned, I looked, it went across the road. That sighting's over. That's just about how long it took. I still got to go get my game camera. And I wasn't really scared. I, w- I really wasn't shocked even because by now I had, you know, I, I had pretty much convinced myself that they're here. Right. They're throwing stuff at me. <laughs> but I still got to go to the bottom and get this game camera after seeing this guy. Yikes. So as I'm, so as I'm going down the hill, I'm thinking to myself, they were hunting. He was watching them deer from the ridge that I jumped. And whenever I jumped them and they left, I just happened to catch him getting up and leaving. Or maybe he knew I was, I would seem, I don't know why I turned my head. That's the thing that's always stuck with me. I'm deer hunting. I'm waiting for him to come out. And for whatever reason, I just turned my head at the right time and looked at the ridge. That part of it does bug. That's really intense. I mean, it's like, yeah, I don't, how does that happen? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's the hard part. But I'm glad it did because you you had, of course, the sighting that you had. But you yeah, know. I definitely I definitely got confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> so I go on down to get this camera. I get down to this rock pile. I reach in there and get this camera, and there's a big old oak leaf there, and I knock it out of the way or grab that camera. Like I said on on the channel, I scurried 
back to the house with this camera. And I am excited. I have got to have at least one of these on camera. I put the SD card in and I start looking at pictures and I see me put the camera in the pile of rock. And I bet I didn't even make it back to the house before a big oak leaf landed right in front of that camera <laughs> in that pile of rocks. And I had like two or three days of the wind buffering this oak leaf. I didn't get nothing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't get a thing. Oh, no. What are no. the odds? What are the odds? Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> so that's, that's what started the Ruger. That's what started the Ruger Ridge Channel. I told my wife, I said, I, I got to tell somebody, right. you know. Yeah. I said, this, this is ridiculous. What are the odds? She, that, she, what are the odds that they placed the, the leaf there? I mean, that they knew it was there and they covered it. I always figured they seen me put the camera in the pile of rocks. Right. So that, that's what I'm thinking too, is that, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I'm pretty sure they're always cognizant of us being in their area. Like they know we're there long before we oh, even I'm, know what's up. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. Huh. When we was building the cabin that I have now, my wife has doubted this stuff pretty much since day one, you know, she's understanding. She puts up with me, but you know, <laughs> she, she'll have to see one to believe it. You know? Sure. I built this cabin. It's an eight by eight by eight, real easy measurements. Just throw it together. And I built the, all four walls, the floor and the ceiling in the backyard. Then we load them up in the pickup. So the first day we're taking all that stuff down. So I probably made five, six trips across that Creek. The next morning, we're going to go down, start on it, and start standing stuff up. Wife says, well, I'll just come down. You go ahead. I'll be down later. And I said, okay. So I already had the truck loaded. I jumped in the old Yoder and off over the hill I go. Brent, I get down there where that cabin, and there is a small white oak tree. It ain't very big around, but it's still a tree. And like eight foot up, it has been snapped and twisted with the top of this tree sticking right out in the road. Oh, my God. And, I, of course, I just pulled up there. And whenever I pulled up there and stopped, the top of that tree is right in the windshield. And I got out and I thought, well, this will convince her. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this is pretty plain. This will convince her, you know. Mm-hmm. So I started back up the hill and I met her halfway down and I said, you need to see what I just found. So we walked down there and, and she said, yeah, something fell on it. And I said, baby, there ain't nothing here <laughs> big enough to break that oak tree. And on top of that, it's twisted and there ain't nothing else around here twisted. You know, it, it was, it was like blatant obvious to me, right? you know, but I had to get my chainsaw and get on my tiptoes to even reach where this break was. That's, That's how high it was. Wow. So I told her, I said, all I can figure is they don't want this noisy truck crossing the creek. So from now on, we're going to turn around and we're going to back this two-wheel drive truck down this hill. And then it will come out on its own once it's empty, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. That's incredible. Yeah, there, yeah there's, a, there's been quite a few, been quite a few little things happening here. But the major encounters or happenings or whatever, I've only seen it that one time, but I'm still looking. Uh, the major encounters are always around deer. There, there's a place down here I call Lester's Flat, and that's what I call my Bigfoot, too, is Lester, but that's another <laughs> story in itself. <laughs> okay, okay. But there, we got a place, got a place we call, I call Lester's Flat. I'm down here. One day I'm taking me a stroll. I'm looking around the woods and I get up on Lester's flat and I jump a little old fawn, pretty good size fawn. Actually, uh, you could still see the spots on her. I jump this fawn and it runs over and it hops over my back fence over on the neighbor's property. Now that fence line on the neighbor's side, it's cleared out for probably quarter mile or better. You can see a long ways down that fence and that fawn jumped over that fence. And whenever it basically landed over there, it just stopped. And behind me, probably 
just guessing, maybe three, four hundred yards, I heard a big old knock, just crawarp. I uh, thought, ooh, oh man, that sounds that sounds interesting, uh-huh. you know. And I immediately I I I put two and two together. Deer jumped an opening. I hear a knock, and I'm thinking, cool, this is all right. And man, just about time I heard that, I had that thought. It sounded like a shotgun going off directly behind me. And I'm here to tell you, I got concerned real quick. And I thought, this is it. I have messed up a hunting party Mm. and walked right into the middle of it. And this dude is right behind me. (laughs) No. So I slowly turned around and nothing, man. I mean, I am in full scan mode. I am looking at everything. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't see nothing at all. So I kind of walked over to a tree and I just kind of leaned up a tree. There's a, on the ridge road, I kind of leaned up against a tree there at the end of the road. And I just stood there for a while and I thought, well, maybe they'll knock again. Maybe this thing will move, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I stood there for what seemed like quite a while and nothing. And I thought, okay, well. So I went on about my deal and made my big circle and come up the ridge from the backside and walked up and down the ridge. And I start down the ridge road, coming back down to Lester's flat. I've made a big circle of the property and I'm coming down to Lester's flat and something caught my eye that wasn't, didn't look right. And I looked over where this about, just about where that, uh, that thing was setting, eating the nuts with the rock about. I don't know, 15, 20 feet from that log, there was a treetop that had blowed down in a storm. Mm -hmm. And behind that treetop, I could see where something had been in there and had cleared leaves and everything else down, plumb to the ground. Wow. And from where that treetop is to the tree that I leaned against is 30 yards because I checked it. Hmm. So whenever... I backed up to wait to see if anything happened. That dude was laying in that treetop right behind me. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that he was. Wow. So, yeah. what, what do you think that crack was? That was was that a, uh, a like that was a knock. That was a big knock, huh? Yeah, the big knock behind me. Yeah, that was a knock that sounded like a shotgun. I mean, it was Oof. it was very loud. And I'm not convinced. I mean, I I I know. I'm pretty convinced they do tree knocks because I've heard knocks that were pretty good. And then I've heard whatever they was knocking with a piece of it, go down through the brush, you know, like you'd break a big limb. Oh, sure. I've actually heard that myself. Okay. But I'm not 100%. They don't do some of these noises with their mouth or their hands or whatever. Sure. Because what I heard, I mean, it sounded like it was right directly behind me. And, and, and if he was laying in that treetop, he was about 30 yards away. We're talking 30 yards, 90 feet. Yeah. Yeah. He he was probably sitting there watching me freak out. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's just incredible, brother. You've, you've, you've had an incredible journey so far. Yeah. And it's, it's been interesting. Um, you've been researching this for a while. Do you find prints up in your property? Yeah. Yeah, not very often. It's awful. It's awful hard and rocky down here. Okay. Uh, but uh, after a rain, I've I've found a few. Uh, matter of fact, I just found a couple last week. I found a shelter last week, which is pretty interesting. Oh. Um, and some really thick stuff. Man, it was hot, and I was going through some really thick brush. And uh, I knew this old treetop was in there and it had come down in a storm and I had found it last winter. And, uh, I got back in there this summer, just, well, that was like last week and the vines and everything had grown over it. And it just made like a natural cave in there. I jokingly say, cool, let's check this out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I look in there and I said, you know, nobody's home, but it looks like they had been. Brent, I got around and I started, I got looking in this thing and I found a print right off the bat. I'm, 
I normally find two different size prints. I'm finding 16, 17 inch prints, wow. but I'm also finding anywhere between 10 to 12. Oh. So there's at least two individuals running around here. But I look underneath this treetop deal that is now basically like a natural, you know, I don't want to say cave, but I mean, you could get back in there and stay out of the weather. Mm-hmm. And I find this print, and while I'm filming, looking at this print, I look up, and here are cedar limbs that have been broke off on each side and laid long ways in this, you know, shelter or whatever you want to call it underneath this treetop. Oh. And uh, cedar cedar will distract bugs. Right. You know, they're all, they're, they were dried up and dead now, but I mean, they wasn't distracting any bugs when I found them, but that's pretty good find right there. <laughs> I got to ask you about so, the, about the, um, child sounds you've heard children playing. Do you imagine that that could be, uh, potentially, and I, I know it's speculation because it was off in the distance, but do you imagine that that could potentially be the, you know, younger offspring of these things? I don't know, but what it just wasn't them talking. Oh, okay. uh, there's a thing called, they call it chatter right? that they do. And, uh, my wife actually heard that one day she was out on the porch mm-hmm. and, uh, heard it just, you know, outside the yard in the woods. I didn't hear it, which I had, Yeah. but she said it sounded like them old, you know, Japanese movies from the sixties and seventies, sure. you know, it was definitely a language, but nothing that she could make out. Wow. And, uh, that's kind of what I always figured it was, okay. you know, after the fact I wouldn't, when I heard that the first time I was convinced it was kids, I just didn't know who's, you know, well, <laughs> yeah. looking back now, it makes perfect sense. Right. No, I think that's incredible. And yet, and obviously, obviously you're in the right place and they're, and they're not being aggressive towards you. So it's not like, yet. I mean, <laughs> they've thrown sticks of wood and rocks at me, but they haven't hit me yet. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure that when they throw stuff, they, they're pretty accurate. So, I mean, I don't believe oh, they were yeah. probably trying to knock your head off or anything because I think you, you would, right. you it would have happened, but this is, right. this is really the, you know, kind of the perfect situation because they, they seem to have their place and, and you, you're aware of them being there and, and they don't seem to, you know, I, they didn't move on or anything once you became aware of their presence and were actively looking into them. So, that, I mean, that sounds like a, a pretty good situation. I'm not convinced that they stay on my property all the time. Okay. But they definitely pass through here. Right. The way this property is laid out, I've got three, I really don't want to call them ridges, but they are. Mm-hmm. I've got three ridges that come together into a point. Oh, then there's this big fence. So that is a choke, a choke point. Mm. And anybody who hunts will know what I'm talking about. Everything has got to move through this one area, whether it's going north, south, east, west, whatever. It all ends up right down here at the, in the bottom. You know, it, it's excellent hunting out here. So it would be excellent hunting for them, too. I don't even I don't even hunt anymore. Oh, OK. You know, I don't eat, I don't deer hunt or nothing anymore. <laughs> Too busy looking at something else. <laughs> as, as like somebody said, if you're out rabbit hunting and you see a snake, you're no longer rabbit hunting, you're snake hunting. <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Because you're yeah. right. You'd be, you'd, all of a sudden, you'd be well aware that there are snakes around and you'd be watching for them. Ex- yeah. Absolutely. There's, I've got a pond and there's also nearby, there's a natural spring fed pond also. So there's everything here's, is, you know, they need right everything they need is right here. You know, they got shelter, food, water, it's and travel corridors. Yeah. So, well, that's awesome, brother. Thank you again for coming on the show, brother. We're about out of time, but uh, it's been alrighty. Ep- it's been an epic journey, and I can't thank you enough for this. So, uh, well, I've sure enjoyed it, man. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. 
and uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows, Journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it out, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com/ParanormalPortal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So stay tuned. We love you all. Be good. Be kind. Be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. 